Hello to everyone listening in on the podcast. I'm Tom and today we have also Maddie joining me who is one of our coaches at Lattice and we hope you've had a very nice Christmas so far, a new year planned potentially depending when we release this one. But for today's session we have a couple of topics that we thought were really timely being the end of the year and coming into a new year, which Maddie and I wanted to talk about and kind of hopefully give you a few tools and some thoughts going forward into 2022. And those topics are one, fear and looking at how we deal, deal with that, transitioning from training cycles into performance on rock outside during the winter. And then secondly, it's some stuff around goal setting and that process of goal setting. So Maddie, a couple of topics here to uh, kind of close to our hearts aren't they yeah yeah definitely I think um despite us obviously both being big into the physical training world I think in our own personal climbing and the people we work with looking at the mental aspect of training is so important and it's really an important consideration throughout everything we do you know um so I think it's really nice to look at it at the start of a new year and think about all the climbing plans and goals ahead and think how this is going to play a role. Yeah, and I don't suppose uh, you're probably very similar to me, but I've been thinking a lot about my goals going forward in 2022. And coupled in with that, I have been thinking a lot about this kind of fear aspect and how I manage that swapping in and out of training cycles with performance cycles outside as well. So have you been through that same sort of process? Yeah, and actually, interestingly, me and Ollie have sort of more recently come back from a trip, as I know you have, and it definitely played a role, I imagine maybe a lot of people listening as well, with a lot of the travel restrictions and maybe restrictions to outdoors, it might have been amplified a little bit. Like, I think we go through this all the time, moving from training cycles where you're much more indoors, especially here in the UK, literally looking out the window and it's chucking it down. Um, but also people who may have not been able to get outdoors as much recently. And I had actually not climbed as much because of a finger injury. So then we went on this trip, you know, back out outdoors and really had to sort of tackle that fear element head on right at the start like I knew I would and you know you put the time in and you really feel the benefit then for the rest of your trip going forward so I guess that's what we're gonna sort of unravel a few ways in which you can do that so that you can enjoy all of your climbing trip and outdoor time yeah yeah okay so let me set the scenario or set the scene here right off is we've got a climber who has been training all the way through let's say December and January put in a really good block of uh, power endurance training uh, ready for a trip in February out to Spain or, or wherever it is that they've got their sport project and a lot of their training is involved going to indoor walls particularly bouldering and potentially training at home a lot on the you know a home woody setup so maybe a moon board um, or something in the basement underneath their house and Lots of people, I think, really find it hard to make that transition from eight weeks of low exposure, zero falling on a rope, effectively not looking like real sport climbing. And then bang, they've turned up to Spain on Saturday. They've got off the plane and now they're having to lead, get above bolts, get exposed. 
what do you think that process looks like in terms of transitioning into that effectively and then also how do you see the behavior panning out on a trip at the beginning in those first couple of days well i actually think it's almost worth for these people um of which we could all be <laughs> um really having quite an honest conversation with themselves or with a partner about how much fear of falling plays into their performance. So I know it plays into the performance of many climbers. I actually don't consider myself being someone who's really uncomfortable on a rope, but I think what's really interesting is to do yourself a little experiment, maybe go and actually do some fall practice and see how much it actually takes you, you know, to stay relaxed and stay calm. Because I guess with this same scenario, I can envisage two different climbers someone for whom fear of falling is really actually something they need to consistently on um, you know that feeling and that exposure and I honestly think for that person it's worth incorporating the fall practice throughout their whole training you know depending on how long you can go on your trip for you might it might not be long enough for you to get comfortable and to, you know, apply all these um, sort of techniques that we might talk about. Um, so in that case, I think the conversation starts with thinking, OK, how much is this going to affect my trip and for how long? You know, how many days would it take me on my trip to feel comfortable falling and what proportion of my trip is that? Um, so I think for that person, it's almost thinking a step back and being like, right, this is as important as my power endurance stimulus that I could get on a circuit board or, you know, by doing some style training on my moon board. Yes, you can definitely target your body in that way. But if you are not targeting that uh, mental element that's going to allow you to perform, then really maybe it boils down to that extra effort put in and being like, this needs to be on a rope this session. I, I need to do that so that I can apply all the techniques in my training. If you are someone who I think, you know, who can spend the early part of their trip, you know, actually um, doing a little bit of full practice and getting comfortable with that exposure, and you know that it will be quite quick to come for you, then I think for sure, use the bouldering wall, use that element to get your body ready and then at the start of the trip, I think some of the main things for me when it comes to fear are gradual overload, I guess that's like a term we use in training a lot. So, you know, don't get off the plane and think, right, I must fall off, you know, get like all the way to the next bolt before letting go and then actually feel really tense and sort of go through the motions, you know, force yourself through the motions such that actually you are tense the next day and the next day. And um, I think it's always good to remember that your brain actually works on quite a predictive um, mechanism. You know, our brain looks to budget our energy and think about our environment such that it can predict what will happen the next day. So if you are really anxious and tense when you are doing your fall practice, that is how you will feel when you are going to fall on your next day of sport climbing and the day after that. So I think really going for that gradual, maybe doing some fall practice at the bolt, you know, then a bit above the bolt and really focusing on keeping calm. Maybe just during your 
warm-ups or something on the first few days or or on your project if you have a very particular project um that you've gone out to try and I think just building that into the first few days um could be really really like you know important for enjoying the rest of your trip yeah yeah no there's some really good points there and I think I've I've seen with either myself or or others that I've coached or have gone on trips with that process being uh, really effective, uh, particularly that bit about not going so far, you know, into the very uncomfortable slash terrified zone that you you almost end up starting a negative feedback cycle where y- you're not actually feeling more and more comfortable and happy with the falling or the exposure factor. It's just becoming more traumatic, essentially, uh, as you go through the days and then you you freeze up and, and you can't get into a good place with it. Um Yeah, I think you can, you know, you can sort of use some body language cues. I don't know what you would call it, like when you're like on the ground as well. You know, it's the first few days of a trip. You're feeling slightly like nervous, excited. Hopefully, you know, you've sort of done this training. You want to enjoy your trip. And I think really working into those first few days, that kind of relaxed body language at the crag, you know, feeling relaxed in your face and neck before you let go and a bit of full practice um, can really help set you on the right course in sort of doing something correctly, I guess, is is what we're sort of getting at here. Mm. The, the other thing that I think is a really important point was you're saying about understanding, reflecting and knowing who you are as an individual, what your process looks like before you get on that trip. So knowing if you're the type of person that needs to do just a couple of sessions before you go away on your trip or if someone you're actually someone who needs to go three or four times a week for an entire month before you go on your trip because you kind of understand your baseline and what I think is important about that particular point is that this takes us back to this position of not stepping wildly out of our previous experiences so if you're someone that for the last three or four years has required about a month of slow gradual exposure don't suddenly expect by some kind of miracle that now in 2022, you're just going to need one week to transfer across, reflect and go, this is me. This is where I'm at, at the moment. Yes, maybe you can push just a little bit outside of that comfort zone, but don't just hope wildly that everything's going to change because I think we're, we're pretty consistent as humans. And unless you, change the environmental factors around us or our internal process significantly from one period to another, we tend to stay quite consistent in our behaviours. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think we can be really good at doing this with our physical attributes. So I think a large part of it is giving that fear element the same respect. So for me, I know that I need to be working my fingers consistently. You know, they don't, they don't, stay recruited and strong so I wouldn't expect to just not do any grip work for like two months and then go and be able to use this element of my physicality and in this it's exactly the same that if you spend two months three months you know bouldering you know you'll you'll go root climbing and you may feel that actually that exposure level yeah is suddenly quite out of sync with what you've been doing and is quite a high sort of expectation of your of your sort of mind to be able to to cope with that and to to feel relaxed Mm, yeah yeah it's interesting 
The other little thing that I've learned over the years with uh, that transfer into climbing well on a trip and not having you know an issue with either exposure or falling is that I've learned that certain types of climbing partners are really beneficial for me to fast forward that process and get into a much you know better position faster on trips versus others and as a result I now select my climbing partners for trips partly on that basis because I know the types of people that are good for me and the types that are bad and it's it's really changed it for me and mm-hmm. like the last trip where I had to the US I know that the person that I was climbing out with there is very good for that particular scenario for me so actually I probably had one of my best trips ever in terms of dealing with it very very quickly but I can think of a few people that I've gone climbing with in the past who aren't good for that they're great climbing partners ultimately but not good for that thing yeah yeah and especially if you are doing some full practice and whether this is something you decide to do you know more regularly throughout winter and you know putting in a concerted effort in this area that is definitely something you want to think of because ultimately you want to start from that point of sort of just within your comfort zone probably like that is actually I guess if someone's thinking oh are you talking about this gradual exposure but how do I know where to start you know we talk about gradual overload in training you know using RPE six out of the ten but ultimately what does that mean to anyone listening and what I usually try to do is just start within my comfort zone because that's how I know I, as I slightly push it, I will find that correct level. So, you know, actually, if within your comfort zone is going with a partner that you feel really confident with um, and starting below a bolt and falling onto the rope, then, then you know that that is within your comfort zone and you can start to gradually work out of that. Because ultimately, I mean, I think that's a really great point that you made. But what if you've already arranged to go on a trip with someone? You know, there's lots of things that play into who we can go climbing with. And it might just be that that's something to consider, that you want to start with someone you're really confident with, such that you can build out to go climbing with anyone who's available on the day that you want to go climbing. Um, And I think this sort of plays into that, um, where I often find some element of communication with your partner around it Um, around any fears that you have but not too much I don't know this is what I've found like it's really good to be sort of honest with your partner and to to be like oh I'm going to do a bit of full practice and have that person be relaxed in how they communicate about it you know they're not you're not like okay cool I'm gonna let go at this point and they're like okay I've got you I've got you As as if it's like this tense moment I find it quite good to be on the floor and be like right I'm going to drop off around there on this route and that's where you leave you know that that you should then leave the floor floor comfortable in the knowledge that you're not going to say anything to your partner you're not going to say I'm going to fall here I'm going to you know have you got me have you got me so that you can actually be really focusing on being relaxed um, when you let go whenever that you've sort of planned that fall in but obviously you need to communicate that you want, might want to communicate that on the ground <laughs> but I've um, also been in the scenario with people where it's something they're uncomfortable with falling and you can over commute you know maybe over talk about it at the crag such that you give this element 
a lot of weight in your climbing day, you know, through talking about it a lot. So I think it's a balance to find. And that's why I think for those who really feel this is a thing for them, actually keeping it up through the winter in some degree is really good because we've already mentioned so many nuances that are quite hard to get to grips with in the first two days of your trip. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I've certainly learned, experienced, and then viewed it in others that the pr- the preparation part of this game around the fear is all about putting in the time and the process before the event. It is so rare. I mean, literally almost unheard of that you come across someone that has some brilliant tool or secret method that they can go from being very, very nervous or very fearful one week before the trip to then day two in their trip. They're just head screwed on. Absolutely amazing. Me and you just don't come across people like that. There is no special, you know, method, tool, visualization process that solves all of this. It, it really is about a good process and adequate preparation and time. Yeah, and I think one thing I think is worth um, doing, because obviously it's a little hard to know sometimes where you fall, because things do change for people. Um, I, I think you're right. I don't think you get this wild change from being scared of falling to suddenly super comfortable. But things change like, I don't know, age might change things, the level of job you have, if it's really stressful, you know, anything can slightly push your sort of balance one way or another that actually might make you a bit more fearful or or maybe actually you choose to get um a job you know maybe you move to part-time and you actually find because you've got a bit more mental energy you are a bit less fearful like you know um but something I always think is, is just to have this curious mindset around it where you think cool I'm actually going to check in and see where I'm at So many people do a seven second max hang test at the start of a training cycle. Maybe go to the wall and do a few falls and see see where that comfort level is and then see whether it's actually something you want to keep up or whether it's something you might just do in the week before you go. Um, You know, just so that you know, so it's not a surprise. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's that's really cool. Um, Well, that that kind of... um leads me into uh, a sort of segue topic for uh, moving on to goal setting and the process around it is I'd love to get uh, a couple of thoughts from you around this whole um, and this is going to the topic of goal setting is where do you feel or what are your thoughts on uh, fear anxiety concern around setting big goals versus small goals it's something that I come across a lot with clients and professional athletes when they think about, you know, what are they going to achieve in 2022? What are they going to achieve in the next five years? What do you feel about this uh, compromise between shorter, more achievable goals versus big audacious goals and some of the fear around that? Yeah, I mean, I guess I think it's again, it boils down slightly to being honest or like um, exploring what type of person you are and what you need. So if you are someone and you are 
drawn to what is quite a big audacious goal, uh, you know, a climb that will take multiple years. And if that brings up some sensations of fear and anxiety for you, then you just know that what you need, I, I think, is some probably some shorter term goals to get you there and you need to sit down and think about that process a little bit more than maybe someone who sets a big goal I just don't feel that level of anxiety and maybe they just more naturally like you know fit in short-term goals I, I don't know it's hard to distinguish but I definitely see both and I think actually those people who don't get that fear and anxiety I think they just more organically or naturally develop these short-term goals for themselves um, and get stuff out of them. So I think if you are one of those people that sits down or comes across a climb, you know, that is a long-term or more audacious goal, something I think is quite good is to tackle it from sort of two ends in being that, you know, you, you we sort of all know about that smart goal process and, working our way back from that big audacious goal to think about all these elements that that click into place so that you get more of this timeline and this process and you have these shorter term goals that lead you towards your um sort of your end goal but also I think something that helps with that fear for me is to really emphasize in myself the the narrative or the thoughts around why I've chosen that long-term goal like why does that mean so much to me um you know what is it about this this route or this goal that I really value in in this sort of you know um within climbing because if I really focus on those I think you you know you sort of maybe only got so much mental energy so if you if you can choose to focus more on something else I think you often tend to focus less on whatever it is about the goal that makes you more anxious and feel like it's maybe quite far away does that make sense yeah yeah I I, I think the, the point there that you made around the timeline and that you have people who either naturally or by their lifestyle choices or you know his, historical factors identify or feel more comfortable with you know smaller more achievable short-term goals or bigger you know grand audacious things um and and, and i and i've climbed with lots of people that are on those two sides of the spectrum i think people sit along the entire spectrum and and that's okay because i've seen both parties do really well with their climbing so it's not like one is better than the other i'm a I love very, very big, unachievable goals. And it is what puts the fire in me. And actually, I don't really like the kind of the smaller ones that kind of build it up. And other people are the other way around. But where I think the system as such works or where you have productivity and people are happy with their climbing, they get towards their goals, is that they essentially just still follow that fundamental rule of saying, this is a timeline and I can break my timeline down all the way into little chunks. And then when I've got my chunks, I can break those chunks into even smaller chunks and I can have a process for those. I can have a feedback loop in it. And so those people who are really into building like massive, you know, 10 year, five year projects, they might be very good at knowing what the chunks look like for the last part of that and what needs to come together for it, but might not be quite so focused or practiced at doing the really small micro scale 
um, chunking process that goes into those big goals. And so they have to put their time and their effort and their discipline into doing that part and get that right, because it will build into the big part. And then likewise, the people that I've worked with, and this often quite often happens to me on a mentoring process when I kind of do one-to-one goal setting with people, is that they really struggle to work out how they can make their very achievable, um, realistic, short-term goals make a really big thing. And what I try to do is sort of reverse engineer and say, well, if we can get these 10 things, which are very achievable in this year, and block those all together into one big block, what does that look like? And what if we put five of those big blocks together and through a process of just doing that one-to-one in sessions, you can end up going, huh, wow, those five blocks actually could make something which I never thought I'd achieve. But for them, it totally then makes sense because they can do the very, very small blocks. They just struggle with the really big ones, putting them all together. So it's just like a, a timeline and breaking it down into little chunks and reverse engineering either direction as to whether you're a small person or a or a big goal person yeah yeah and I think I think like you said there it is important to sort of identify maybe what person you are and where you sit along that whole spectrum but it is good to explore that whole timeline because I do think that you get people who sit very much say I actually sort of going to talk about like those people who are really comfortable with a long-term goal such that it's actually a comfort zone for them. Like they almost do actually have it be quite unachievable. They then actually struggle maybe with their mindset at their current level, you know, because they find it much easier to think about a very far away goal such that they don't actually apply themselves in the moment that much. Um, so I do think it is important if you're someone who's really comfortable with audacious goals to work it back such that you actually build the foundation of all the skills you need to reach that long-term goal. Yeah, yeah t- totally. It's, it's taking a really practical approach to where you sit on, on that spectrum and then breaking it down or building it up into something that achieves doing something across a one-year timescale or a a 10 year time scale. Um, it's, it's I, I often think it's not much more complicated than that. It's just that the na- you know, human nature is that we struggle with things that we're not that well practiced, practiced at or don't come to us naturally and really good athletes or, you know, or, and whether it's working with a coach or just on them on their own tend to be able to do the whole thing and and deal with the whole picture like the larger picture you know like I've watched the the big goals that you've achieved over the years and some really impressive climbing but also some of the stuff that you've achieved on a sort of a micro basis and you're very practical and pragmatic about that whole thing and so really I always kind of encourage people when they look at people like Maddie to go Maddie isn't some you know like extra special superstar climber here she just has a really good process and she's really practical with it. And that results in the stuff that, you know, Maddie does in her climbing and has done it for many years. So um, I think, it, yeah, a lot of it comes down to that. Yeah. And I think something as well that is really important for people to consider is the, I guess when we talk about like a bit like goal setting, obviously motivation is a massive part of that. And I usually think that that can play quite nicely into 
you know, the, the fear around it, any of those sort of mental barriers that occur along the way. Because if you're really, truly motivated, inspired by your goal, then often those things, they're not necessarily, they don't just click into place, but they come a bit easier because you're really invested and focused on this thing. I think what I see sometimes in, in myself, I've done this, or, or in people that I work with, is that you slightly pluck some goal out of the air. Like not, you know, not as sort of maybe flimsy as that, but, you know, people think there's an idea of a goal, you know, and then there's a goal itself. And I think it's like they like the idea of climbing a certain grade or they like the idea of climbing a certain route that, you know, maybe a bit of a climbing hero has done, you know, or put up the first ascent of. And I think it's just useful to think about why you want to do something. And, and the fact that it's a certain goal, say it's AA, that is, you know, that is fine. It's fine for that to be a motivator. It's just that if that's your motivator, you might run into problems down the line. Um, and so there's certain things that we look for in climbing. Um, you can usually find lists online for this sort of thing, but you know, playfulness or adventure or novelty or, you know, these sort of elements of climbing that are not the moves or, <laughs> or the grade. And it's worth maybe thinking about what it is that you really value or seek and then seeing when you get this big goal that's going to take a lot of motivation and time and planning and preparation do these align because if they don't it might be that you could choose a goal that did align more and you it might just make you realize you know what actually maybe that isn't the the goal for me maybe I thought it was because my friends climbed it or it's, you know, for some other reason. And I think that can be really useful because sometimes where you end up is changing your goal, but that that's absolutely fine. You know, maybe you think, you know what, actually, I don't want to climb that climb at all. It's not even the style that I enjoy as much. Mm, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's why I always think this concept or the way that, or the phrase that I use of letting, letting goals or letting projects brew is being one that ends up being a really effective because I and I think I've talked about it this in a different podcast is that uh, I like to especially like the longer term things that might take a year two years five years to achieve is I let the concept of the goal brew in my mind and but also in a practical sense and what I mean by that is that I will have a goal let's say I want to climb 9a for example and I will let that sit in my mind for quite some period. It might be a year. It might even be a number of years. And by doing that and not immediately saying, now that's my goal, I'm going for this all in, I will end up having conversations with friends, with family. I might do some reading around it. I'll look at projects and I'll let the whole concept, that whole goal brew and get a whole feedback process and start to think, well, does this really align with my values? Am I actually grade orientated? Will 9A involve fun? Like that's really important to me. Does that actually do it? And once you've done that for enough time and let it brew, you sometimes walk away from the process and go, yeah, that doesn't quite align with me as a climber. And I don't think that's the right goal for me. And you can walk away, as Maddie said, because 
it's just, it's fine to walk away from goals as well because at least you'll be true to yourself as a climber. Yeah, and I think that sort of leads us on to something we were chatting about just before we started recording as well. Um, sort of thinking of potential barriers um, to goals, and I think there's there's sort of the ones there's sort of two sides to it. There is potential mental barriers that you might want to actually prepare for so if your goal does I mean we've talked about fear of falling is that going to be something that you do need to work on towards your goal you know maybe it's I know some of the routes say when I um did like mind control in Oleana because they're so long routes the bolts are quite far apart you know so you, you do want to build up that comfort level um with falling and you would know that you'd need to do that going into potentially a goal like that or is it that season wise your goal the time to try your goal route falls within a really busy time at work in which case that might be just worth factoring in or is the crag really busy and that is something that mean makes it you find it hard to focus with that or you get a bit of visual fear um, and maybe that all sort of plays a little bit into that brewing process you just talked about where you can actually start to think about a lot of those things that would play into the goal and either you'll be like yeah these are just things I need to tackle and think about and I'm still really psyched or you might think hmm I wonder if this means that just another goal might be more enjoy you know might be better for me in terms of how much I'm going to enjoy it and how satisfied I'm going to be with the process yeah yeah um it's yeah it's like that that practical approach to thinking about what's the journey going to look like on that goal and setting yourself up so that you you, you think ahead of the problems that might occur and you're realistic about them and you consider them before you get stuck into the goal because there's nothing worse than coming up with some amazing goal that might be take take two years to do and then one year into it you find there's a really practical massive road barrier to why mm. you can't do that goal because you just didn't think about it um further enough ahead um another practical thing that i quite like in terms of goal setting for and you can do this on even like a seasonal basis as well as a multi-year basis is to take your goal. Um, and this is like a practical thing that you can do on a piece of paper is take your goal and split your goal into two sides. The things that you think currently are the strengths which play towards your goal. So you can list all the things that you think, say, this is probably the reason why I will likely have a chance of achieving this goal. And then the other side, all the negatives or the things that you think are going to hold you back from that goal and currently you know, just are going to make it hard to achieve it. And then what I do with that is then take that list and prioritize the ones that really scream out as being blindingly obvious on both of those columns. So the things that absolutely are your areas of, you know, expertise and real strengths that you've got years and years of experience with. And then likewise, the things that are going, I have to have to sort this out. I am just not going to achieve this goal. And just take those one, two, three points at the tops of your list and build those in as priority points in your goal process. Because the reality is in life is that there's probably 20 things which are good and 20 things that are bad in working towards your goal. But honestly, we're just not going to have the mental units to deploy on all of them. So let's just focus our energies into the things that we're actually really good at right at the top of the list 
and the things that we're really bad at right at the top of the list. And I bet you nine out of 10 people will be more effective if they just put the process into dealing with what is immediately saying, sort this out. Yeah, and I mean, that really helps with also the that sensation of being a bit overwhelmed. You know, when you sit down to think about a goal, yeah, it's overwhelming because if it's a five-year goal, there's going to be so many things you need to work on leading up until that point that if you actually just work on those top few things, then you'll probably be in a much sort of better position to have a bit of a clear head about it. Um, and I think like when we're t- talking about these maybe more practical things or um, barriers that could be there for goals, maybe mental barriers, I think it's like important to point out, we're not always saying that there are reasons you should change your goal, but it's worthwhile being aware of them such that you can build them in and learn from them. Because I do think it's quite nice to, something I like about um, setting goals or thinking about routes I'd want to do, um, and this might just be me, I don't know, it'd be interesting to hear what you think, Tom, is that I quite like to think about the things that I want to improve at. So obviously that isn't always playing to my strength. Like, I guess I have these things that I really value in climbing and I have these, I guess, learning experiences or things that I want to improve at. And then I'm like, cool, I wonder what goals would align with that such that I will come out the other side having learned something new, having to sort of better myself at something that I was not so good at before or better my better myself at something that maybe I'm already quite good at, but it's... I think that when I think about it like that, I see it as this much more sort of curious kind of exploration thing rather than it being so daunting because you you see it as this learning process. Because unfortunately, I've definitely felt this. Even when you set a goal, even though you know it's a step away from where you are right now, I think it's very easy to underestimate the process and how much work you need to put in to get there yeah yeah it could definitely be a lot of work um yeah it's interesting you phrase it in that way because I don't think I do do that actually and and I've noticed that me and you quite often have really different processes around a lot of things in climbing and we're both you know professional climbers and we spend or have spent a number of years trying to do things at our limit and taking on projects and that in itself that we both have quite a different way of looking at some of these things is super valuable and interesting that really out there for everyone listening they can also use their own methods and they don't have to do one particular way or one particular approach just because they saw this person do it and they achieve their goals there are a number of different ways to kind of achieve this uh, and processes with it because yeah i i don't go for it quite in that same way i'm much more on the i have to have a a theme and something which just and, and for me that in particular is i've got to have it as being really really in the zone of i just don't know whether it's possible for me and it has to be in that exact interesting grey zone where that's where I get really excited. And mm. I have to be in that zone for very, very big long-term goals. Otherwise, it just doesn't interest me. And I've tried doing things, reverse engineering it in the way of like, oh, I'd really like to, I would like to be better at falling, for example, and be less scared of it. 
I should pick some goals that would enable me or motivate me to work on that thing. And then I try it and go, oh, no, I don't like it enough. And I just- yeah, that is interesting. I, suppose, I think for me, um, it plays into this sort of um, concept of not being too attached to the goal itself. Because I think when I take this approach, being like, cool, what do I like value in climbing? And how does this play into a thing that I might want to get better at? And be mo- to be motivated for that, I could set a goal that, you know, fits in line with that. I think it helps me not be too attached to the goal itself because I get this feeling that I am learning and playing into my climbing no matter what and no matter whether that goal comes to fruition or is achieved um like for example so I I often set um goals or like set goals on granite and there's a few reasons for that I feel like on granite it really plays to move momentum and pace which is something I'm not very good at coming from that sort of tick tacking up a million crimps on British trad climbing (laughs) So this is something I found really hard at first. And I was like, right, that's something I want to work on. And I really find it satisfying that sensation and that flow state it gets you into because you have to keep moving. And so then I set goals in that and I might, it gives me this intention to take into climbing sessions and to sort of plays into everything I do. And so I know that even if I don't get on that route that I said I would try and that I feel like I'm preparing for, it's given me this, um, these skills that I take with me wherever I go. Whereas I guess I feel like if I set some crazy goal that's a little bit more about the curiosity of being like, gosh, I wonder whether this is literally even humanly possible for me. I think I, I well, I guess I've not done that because it's not my way, but I feel like I would probably struggle more with not achieving it or or something I guess I've not tried it because it's not my natural way but you I guess you don't struggle with that and it's a a way that you yeah yeah I mean it's it's just that that difference between individuals and and what works to their yeah their approach and I I suppose my my overarching thoughtless on this would be is that we we both tend to achieve our goals and we've got a good track record of doing that because both me and you lean into our method that we've spent Mm. some time thinking about we know our method we know what works for us and we go with that and that's yeah yeah. that's all we've really kind of talked about in this podcast I suppose in a way is that reflecting process know know thyself and then work with that around the frameworks of you know chunking down recording stuff having a feedback loop having a, a timeline that you work towards and if I took your method and the way that you work and deployed it to myself yes I would learn something and I may change with time but it's going to be less likely to deliver the result I want and vice versa so yeah I mean it's it's what we see all the time in elite sport that those that achieve you know really hard things uh, whether it's boulders projects routes etc they tend to play into their strengths and their system and their way they're doing it but they know it and when you sit them down and that's why it's quite often interesting doing interviews with them or or reading about what they do because they know it and they are quite self-aware on that front I think 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it'd be quite interesting. One last thing I find really useful for myself with goals and actually given your approach, it's quite interesting to see how you either incorporate this element or, or whether you just don't. And um, the phrase that I have heard and that I have found really useful is to hold a goal lightly. And I guess what this means is to not be so attached to the goal such that it causes a lot of distress if you don't achieve it. And I know that from some angles, this may look like reduced motivation. I think when I've talked about this with some people, it doesn't resonate with them. They, they see it as somehow being not as invested or um, not as motivated for the thing. But I've found it very useful in a practical sense when I am climbing to hold something lightly and not identify with a goal so closely such that you feel like you are struggling with your identity if you are having a bad day on a project. Um, and I just see it as a balance in motivation rather than a lesser motivation for a certain goal, a balance in motivation that you keep other elements in your climbing. You, you keep these other things there. So you are a little divided and you, I guess it goes back to those values in climbing. I keep all my values there in my climbing, even if I'm focused on one project. Um, and I find for me that just really helps with my expectations around a goal and keeping in a very sort of enjoying mindset and a, a sort of more lighthearted approach. But I guess when you choose a goal, when you enjoy choosing goals that are quite out there and that is what draws you to them. Um, and I know actually when you go in for a goal, you go in pretty hard. Do you do you find this doesn't help you? Yeah, when when you were just saying about that, then I was thinking, yeah, I'm a I'm a yes and a no, in the sense that yes, I do have that, uh, and I get it. When as soon as you say those words like hold it lightly, um, I that very much resonates with me because I absolutely can walk away from things, and I don't have that much of an issue around either failing on something or the goal doesn't happen or the day doesn't quite pan out as I, as I might think and and so I find that really beneficial in the sense that for me being in that particular mindset gets me to be less emotional about the feedback that I get during the the failure loop so I walk away from that day or that project and go okay I'm not so emotionally attached to this because I've held it lightly it's not you know quite as dear to my heart as it could be and so what was the feedback on this? Why did I not achieve it? Why did that day not go well? I'll analyze that and then think about how I want to move forward or change things up. But then likewise, I also feel that I need a very high level of commitment and total dedication to the core on something, which is like the other flip side but I wonder whether that really, for me, goes back to this like brewing thing that I gave it a very long time to it. So I can, I suppose it's, I hold it tightly, but I can very definitely hold it lightly when needed. <laughs> yeah, as it, it probably plays into, and this is like maybe an exercise that people can do or think about is 
I guess in training, we talk about low hanging fruit, don't we? Or like, you know, what makes the biggest difference for you? And I think what I found makes the, a bigger difference for me is to hold something more lightly such that I can keep enjoying a project. I can walk away from days that weren't so good or when I fall off, I don't have this high emotional element. I don't have this high frustration. And although that means I might lose some of the positive things that can come from being super attached to a project and really driven by it, I think I found that my gain in enjoyment of that process is worth it. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. Well, um, I, th I think um, one of the things that um, we can uh, talk about certainly on, an, on a separate podcast is um, a little bit more about um, expectations um, and how that fits into enjoyment of goals and uh, the process of your journey um, and things like that and kind of uh, achievement within climbing. So I'd like to, yeah, um, talk to you a little bit more about the expectation stuff. Um, but if anyone who's been listening uh, has enjoyed this chat and wants to know a little bit more, we have a number of uh, blogs and articles on our website on this particular topic. I know that there's two, um, it's a two-parter written by Maddie. Um, there's also some uh, something about goal setting that we talked about uh, with Pete Whitaker on the blog. Um, so if you just go through either search on Google or go onto our website on the blog page, you'll be able to have, find a number of articles and those will have further links um, and processes and methods for goal setting on there. So we hope you find those very useful. And otherwise, thanks for tuning in and listening and we will see you again very soon.